Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space. On the show, we have obviously gone in many, many different directions, and one of the places that we've liked to make sure we keep our feet firmly planted is in the ever-changing and ever sort of swirling world of biotechnology. Uh, and so to help us on that journey, we have gone back to CNBC, and Meg Terrell is joining us. She is a colleague of Christina Farr, who's been on Explore the Space several times. Meg Terrell covers the biotechnology and pharmaceuticals beat for CNBC. She's on CNBC's Business Day show. She has a master's degree in journalism. She has been with Bloomberg before CNBC. She has run the gamut. She is here specifically because as I'm doing my social media scans and my my sort of online perusing, I came across a conference that CNBC is putting on and it's called Healthy Returns. Healthy Returns to me seems like a pretty unique take on a healthcare conference, kind of changing the way we've perceived them in the past and taking a different look. So it's it's great that she can join us to kind of tease out what this is all about, what we're trying to accomplish with this with this Healthy Returns Conference. So Meg, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. So you've been on the beat for a while. You've been on the biotechnology and pharmaceuticals beat for a while. My impression of that beat, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that it's a pretty deep pool and the water can be choppy from time to time. Am I correct in that <laughs> sense? Uh, yeah, to put it mildly, it's probably <laughs> one of the most volatile industries from a from an investing perspective, at least, of, of any of them. Um, biotech uh, can be very, very risky, um, but it's also very exciting. One of the reasons I love covering it so much is because of how important it is to to everybody. I mean, everybody... Um, has a stake in medicine at some point in their lives. Everybody cares about it when they have to. It's not something you care about every day, like you know, like consumer technology. And sometimes we in the in the biotech space are kind of resentful that our space isn't getting as much attention. But but when it matters, it's so important. And so it, it's a really cool space. But it's really really hard. So it's a really fun space to cover. As you're covering it, do you feel like, as you say, right, everyone needs it. And it's interesting to hear you say that because that's actually a drum that we bang on Explore the Space a lot. At some point, we are all going to come in contact with healthcare, whether it's for ourselves, whether it's for a loved one, whether it's something we watch on TV, we catch your show on television, we are going to interact with healthcare. As you're covering it, do you feel like people's facility with it, knowledge base, interest level, rising, staying flat, dropping? What's your sort of gestalt of of where we are in terms of understanding what this world looks like? I think people are interested in healthcare. I think they're interested in a growing way in, in sort of wellness and, and being healthy. That's obviously a sort of a trend that's been happening for a while. But um, in terms of the real nitty gritty um, of medicine, my experience is people really care about it when it touches them, it touches their family, or it touches their friends. And then they go really deep. I mean, I am constantly impressed and blown away by the families that I talk to, how much they know about the conditions, the drug development process, the science um, that they're dealing with. Um, whereas, you know, it's not something you dig into unless unless it's touching you personally. So um, I wouldn't say on a, on a grand scale that, you know, the population worldwide is getting more interested in 
biotech specifically, but in healthcare, <laughs> certainly, I think folks are taking more control. So the lever that drives that, though, is when you are sort of thrown into it, not necessarily personal interest. Hey, I'm going to do a deep dive on the development of a new drug. It's because, wow, either I or someone I know, love, care about needs to now potentially use this drug. That's what will send them kind of down the rabbit hole. Yeah, that's that's my experience anyway. Yeah. I mean, I love when colleagues of mine come up to me and they say, hey, like I was at the pharmacy the other day. This crazy thing happened to me. Like, why do you think that happened? And, you know, it's sort of the, the ins and outs of the complexities of how we pay for drugs like that, that I think people are starting to to get into more as well, because this system is so complex. And then you have characters like Martin Shkreli, who really shined a spotlight on on some of the complexities of drug pricing. Um, so more people kind of got into the story because of him. So, so, you know, maybe that's a positive impact that that Martin Shkreli had on society a, that he actually a drew unique, a spotlight that's a, to this. That's a unique take on the Martin Shkreli saga, that he shined a spotlight. <laughs> uh, it's a, that's one way to put it. I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. No, but I think that you're right that as you're as we're looking through these things, right, we have so many more spotlights we can use. We can use social media. We can use television. We can use print journalism. I mean, my sense of it, quite honestly, is that there is more at least engagement with the concepts uh, when we do these shows. I mean, they're popular. People want to hear from the Meg Torrells of the world because they now – there's a more general knowledge – to me, uh, that that people just sort of get some of the basics and they at least get the import of when they're going to need it, when someone they care about is going to need it, that it's going to really matter. So they want to start to familiarize themselves early on. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I also think that, you know, a lot of the people I talk with, there's there's an impression that it's going to be complicated. I'm not going to get it. Why even try? But then, then they do agree. kind of just, right. you know, hear something. Yeah. And they get kind of kind of involved in it and like they realize it's actually not not that hard to understand like and it's really really interesting and cool and we know a lot more about the way the body works um and that's that's really exciting but there's still a lot of mysteries so that's probably the most fun part of my job is learning about how people are going after solving those that statement that you just made really resonates with me there's this concept of the democratization of information that it is so much easier to get information that the idea that, you know what, it's too hard. It's too complex. I can't get the right teacher. I can't get the right information. That sort of reflex response. I think we are moving through that. And I think that people are getting more comfortable saying, well, I can use the same tools that I would normally use. And hopefully I can get to some, some sound information on that. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think, you know, a lot of a lot more sort of uh, information sources are popping up to to help with that, especially in, in healthcare and in biotech. I mean, Stat News, uh, which is a part of the, the Boston Globe organization, you know, they're dedicated completely to healthcare and to science and biotech. Um, there are a lot more sort of publications popping up focusing on this. So there's a lot of great resources out there. I think one of the roles, though, for people such as yourself and for others is to also make sure that as we're guiding people through these mazes, that we are guiding them in the right directions. Because as you can imagine, one of the common problems when so someone does the Google deep dive, that they can end up not necessarily on the right track and they can end up being led into a, <laughs> into some murky, murky caves that aren't going to give them good information or are biased or are not based on sound science. Yeah, I mean, even I've gone to the doctor's office and said the dreaded words, I Googled this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and just seeing my doctor's reaction is, is amazing. And, you yeah, know, they yeah. might not necessarily know that I, like, work in, in sort of the healthcare area. Right. But 
but yeah, I mean, you can you can get really scared by what you find online. So, that would be a great um, so T-shirt. To, wanna... That'd be a great T-shirt to sell outside of a doctor's office. I googled this, and so you just you just walk into the office wearing it. We would all just yeah. we would age rapidly right before your eyes. So. Part of this concept, right, part of this demystification, part of this democratization of information, we, we come together, right? We come together at times, get smart people in a room, get informed people together, get interested people together and start teasing stuff out, start talking about it. And when I saw the Healthy Returns website, that really was my first thought, that this is – I love the idea. I, I mean, my friends will tell you, I, I'm, I'm always kind of pinging people, hey, let's go and have a dinner. Let's just exchange ideas. What are people working on? What are we talking about? What are we thinking about? Let's get intelligent people, creative people, thoughtful people in a room and see what happens. And as an essence, it seemed like that's what Healthy Returns was about. But just give us a little sense. What is this Healthy Returns conference? So CNBC is putting on its first ever healthcare event, and this is this is what Healthy Returns is. We're having it March 28th uh, here in New York. And really, it's kind of a day of conversations about um, where healthcare is going. And, you know, CNBC, obviously, being a business news network, we have a unique approach into every topic we cover. Um, and that's, you know, that's through the, the money angle, the business, the investing angle. And of course, the, the tenet in, in journalism is follow the money. That's why I love coming at this topic from, from the business perspective, because you really get deep into, into stories, into motivations, into why things happen. So much of that is tied to the financial angle. So you even take the name of the conference, Healthy Returns. So it's kind of a play on words, right? Health and <laughs> And I'm going to admit, returns. I didn't actually realize that until you just said it. That is very, that, I, I was like, oh, cool. We're going to, you know, return to good health and remain, but that's, yeah, oh, no. You, I you, love that. You got no, that's me. That's better. You're a doctor. <laughs> you got you're, me on so that. That shows you're a doctor and that's, not an investor. Yeah. Because um, right. the investors would be like, oh, there's like a medical component to this? No. <laughs> So, so the day is going to be kind of, it, it runs the gamut of talking with, we have the FDA commissioner, Scott Gottlieb, um, kicking off the day. And then, you know, midway through, we get to have a conversation with Craig Venter, uh, which is going to be fascinating. We try to cover the pharmaceutical side, the biotech side, um, and in terms of kind of how the investment landscape affects their ability to develop new medicines. I think that's a really awesome and interesting approach to to have this conversation with these biotech and pharma CEOs. You know, it takes so long to develop new medicines. It's not like you get progress on a quarterly basis, but they have to report to the markets, to their investors on a quarterly basis. And I think there's a huge tension there that affects drug pricing, that affects the way companies make decisions um, that I'm really, really excited to get to listen to being parsed out at the conference. Um, and then we're going to have some great discussions about um, tech's influence in medicine. Um, Chrissy Farr, who's been breaking stories left and right on uh, Amazon coming into the space, is going to be moderating a panel about the Amazon effect and what they might do in healthcare to disrupt things, which is going to be so fascinating. Uh, and then we've got a panel focusing on on data approaches to, to solving problems with Jess Mega from Verily who's fabulous, A.B. Abernethy from Flatiron, who's also fabulous. Uh, and so it's just going to be a really, really fun day, and I can't wait. It's a powerhouse panel, but I want to flip it a little bit. You're, you're going to be on stage. You're going to be doing some of the interviewing. Who's going to come to this conference? What, who do you expect to see in the audience? Who do you expect to see pen and paper, raising their hand, asking questions? Who's coming to, to check this out? 
Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I feel like it's it's going to be like my wedding, but it's like, because it's, you know, when you're at your wedding, you have like everyone you know, and there's not enough time to talk to everybody, like in your family and your friends. Right. This is like my professional wedding <laughs> <laughs> where everyone, like so many people I know and, and love talking to are going to be in the same room at the same yeah, time. And I'm yeah. like already feeling stress about how to get to spend time with them all. But it's going to be people from the investment world, people from the biotech world, executives, researchers, people working in services, people working in communications in healthcare. So yeah, people who are interested in healthcare. I just have some some friends who really, really care about this topic who are coming who don't work in healthcare. People who observe and, and critique the industry are going to be coming. So I think there'll be some some great questions from um, from the audience as well. So it's, it runs the gamut. It's it's interesting to hear that there's that level of enthusiasm. Not not surprising, but it's interesting. And I think it's reflective of what we were just talking about before. That this space is one where there is more engagement, there is more familiarity. So I'm I'm not remotely surprised to hear that it's going to be a really robust and engaged crowd with a really diverse background that's coming to to check this out. Not necessarily, right? For you and I, we look at these names, we recognize these names, but most people may not. In their yeah. space, they're huge, but it's not like these are forward-facing A-list celebrities or something like that, and this is in a, <laughs> for the run-up to the Academy Awards or something. But yet still, people say, this is something that I want to come and participate in. Yeah, you know that's that kind of points me to like a broader, a broader point I think about about healthcare and and biotech. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, like who's who's the Mark Zuckerberg of the biotech industry? Yeah, yeah. I was like I, you know, I'm not really sure there is one, and you know, I, it's something I'm looking for because I think spaces benefit from having heroes, right? Like they they benefit from having faces people recognize, and you know, the drug industry in many ways. Uh, is not well liked. People don't see the good work they do. They see the bad things the drug industry does. And um, it doesn't have these public facing heroes. And, you know, Craig Venter is, you know, a huge name in, in the science world. But, you know, to most people, they might not know who he is. And and that's kind of an interesting thing. We don't have the same cachet, the same publicity as as the tech world does. And I think that's something that the industry would like to change. But people have said to me, that's not the nature of medicine. It's not a solitary sport. You know, there's not one one person doing one thing. It's it's a team sport. So it's it's a different animal. As you were saying that, I was really struck by that statement, this idea of not having that sort of hero, that superstar at the top of the pyramid. And as you were describing that, I was agreeing, but I was thinking to myself that that's just not how we do it in medicine. And yeah. as you as you said, right, that's just – that really isn't how it works. We function as part of high-performing teams. Our goal is to elevate our teams to perform at the highest level with the highest level being delivering on high-quality care that is efficient, effective, safe, and provides the necessary you know, spiritual, emotional, and physical support that patients and families need. But we don't, we don't go out and like beat our chests when we're done. And, uh, you know, we <laughs> maybe <don't>, you should. <laughs> well, so that's, but that's an interesting question, right? Is, is there, is there, a, is there a shoe deal for physicians? Is there a, you know what I mean? Is there, um, is there a shoe deal for the pharmaceutical? <laughs> Orthopedic for, hospital shoes. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good point. So no, but, but you see my point, right? That, is there a need for that cultural shift? Does healthy returns drive that cultural shift because it is putting people much more forward facing, uh, you know, obviously being put under the spotlight that CNBC can provide. That's not trivial. 
is that part of what you may think as being part of that sort of cultural shift? I mean, I, I hope so. I What I like most about my job is that I get to introduce broader to a broader audience, um, people who are doing this incredible work. Yeah. I mean, this stuff is really hard. We always use the, you know, it's not rocket science, but it's like, it's actually kind of harder than rocket science. We've gotten to the moon. We don't have a cure for cancer. I mean, this stuff is really hard. And, and just thinking about what we've been able to do, and I say we, I haven't done anything, what the industry, uh, and I say we as sort of humanity moving toward uh, these advances, what the scientists have been able to do is just incredible understanding on this microscopic level what's happening and to be able to change something in the body to counteract something that's causing disease, I mean, it's mind-boggling. And I want everybody to know about it and to be as excited about it as I am. It just seems like we should be putting so much more emphasis on on driving this work forward. And so um, I hope Healthy Returns kind of brings uh, brings those stories to a broader audience. And, and of course, with CNBC's focus on an investor audience, we really connect with the people who who hold the purse strings. And so um, it feels like a very important place to be. You and I, I feel like could do a five-part series on the role of celebrity in medicine and the life sciences. <laughs> and I think it's a conversation it. worth having, but let's, I want to, I, <laughs> I also want to get back because you also just said something that I think is really important that with this conference, you are looking to pull out stories. One of my great mentors in my career always reinforce the power of storytelling, right? We don't always remember the fancy PowerPoint slide, but we remember the story that's behind it. That's what makes it really sticky. Mm -hmm. On this panel, you're going to, as you said, right, there's some really, really important and interesting guests that are going to be there. And you get to interview Scott Gottlieb, who is the commissioner of the yeah. Food and Drug Administration. What is, tell me a story that you want to get from, from Scott Gottlieb. What, do you, what are you going to flesh out what, to make that chunk of time that you have with a very important person stick so that when it gets out there and people search and do the Google search and read about the conference that, wow, this is going to resonate. Mm. Oh, that's such a good question. And <laughs> I still have a couple, a, a little while before I do the interview with him. So I'm, right, I right. need to pin down all my notes. But um, one of the things that I think has been so remarkable in watching Scott Gottlieb since he became FDA commissioner is how effective he seems to have been and how productive he seems to have been. You know, I, I need to compile the list of, of things he's done since he's been there. But I mean, it seems like every day there's another announcement. He's taking a new thing on. He was perceived when he went in as being too industry friendly, right? Like he, he, you know, worked with a bunch of pharmaceutical companies. He owned stocks of some companies. He really was sort of an industry insider. And, and in many ways, it seems like that background that he brought into the job really enabled him to start tackling things really quickly. So I think one of the big questions I want to ask him is like, what what was your game plan going in? How were you able to pick off these things so effectively and so quickly? Um, and, and what's next? I mean, where do you go from where you've already been? I mean, he's already taken one of the biggest steps uh, from a regulatory perspective in the opioid crisis uh, by essentially taking a look at the safety of these sort of abuse deterrent opioids. There was one from Endo Pharmaceuticals uh, that was found to be causing um, infections. People were sort of injecting it and they were getting infections with HIV and, and HCV. And it ended up getting withdrawn from the market um, after the FDA sort of put the scrutiny on it. And they're taking looks at, at other opioid drugs as well. 
you know, what more can the FDA do? He's really stretching the the bounds of the agency's power in every aspect it seems like he can in terms of drug pricing. The FDA is not allowed to to comment on a price of a drug or to, you know, try to mandate drug pricing in any way, but he's trying to go after it by saying, let's increase competition, let's get drugs to the market faster, let's let market forces kind of do their work uh, to try to bring drug prices down. Now, that, of course, takes a long time to actually manifest, but um, I, I just think it's incredibly fascinating how much he's done in so little time. So it'll be about how do you how do you be such a productive human? Right. That's a personal lesson I want to learn, too. <laughs> but you did touch on something that I think is really important, and I, I know it's got its own role to play in the conference, and that is the opioid epidemic. You know, the opioid epidemic mm. is something that we've 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 dealt with uh, on Explore the Space. We had Deborah Howery from the CDC come and talk about it. We had Chris Heron come and share his incredible story. As a practicing physician, this is something that I deal with on a daily basis. And my colleagues, the institution, the patients that we work with, this is a really, really big issue. That is a, yeah. a gross oversimplification, and I feel bad saying it that way almost. I think if any part of the conference is going to elicit a more visceral response from the guests, from the interviewers, and especially from the audience, it's going to be the conversation around opioids. Yeah. What, what, why do you think that? <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's so supercharged. It's so sensitive. And then circling back again to how we actually started our conversation, it touches everybody. Everybody at this yeah. point knows somebody who has either had an acute pain syndrome where they have needed help with managing their pain. They have an accident. They get injured. They get hurt. They have been exposed to opioids. They maybe have taken them either by prescription or illicitly. They know somebody who has taken them by prescription or illicitly. They've dealt with the question of, I have these leftover pills. What do I do with them? Mm. All uh, addiction, unfortunate, you know, early loss. And then more recently, right, the coverage of it. These video clips of catastrophic events with opioid overdoses, first responders at the scene, these sorts of things, these are, these go viral. And they are, yeah. they are provocative in the extreme. I, I think most people at least have some facility now with the idea of what is an opioid? What does it mean for my health? I can tell you now compared to five years ago when I'm talking with patients about, you know, plans of care and options, their awareness and sensitivity around what, what is this? How addictive is it is way, way different. So I think sort of the amalgam of those things for me at least makes it seem like it's going to be, you know, you, you may well and probably need to kind of be prepared for some people to have some pretty strong opinions and some pretty thoughtful and, uh, you know, sensitive thoughts on this as the conversations go forward with these obviously very high profile people. Oh, yeah. I mean, I totally agree. And I really hope that turns out to be the case. I mean, that we would love to spur, you know, a, a productive conversation about this. Um, there's so many pieces to to the opioid epidemic story. I mean, so much every week, it seems like I'm covering a new estimate of the economic cost of of the opioid epidemic. I think there was one that came out from the, the White House Council of Economic Advisors recently. It was like a trillion dollars. Actually, no, there was another one. It was that one was the trillion dollars is more recent. It's from another research group called Altarum uh, between 2001 and 2017. And the CEA actually had an even bigger one, which was like $500 billion a year um, in economic costs. And so from CNBC's perspective, you know, we want to make sure we're, we're using our expertise and um, what we cover, which is the, sort of the, the economic side of things to, to drive our coverage. And so last year, 
uh, we did a series about the price of naloxone, which is the opioid overdose uh, drug. And that, like so many other generic drugs, you know, it's been around since the 70s, um, has been going up um, over, over time. And, and it's horrible. And in some ways you think, okay, that's the laws of supply and demand, right? There's a lot more demand. Supply is not necessarily increasing so much, so the price goes up. But this is a public health crisis. So, I mean, there's so much to this story, and um, that's just one small piece of it, but um, an important one, I think. It's it's a it's a fact, and having seen at the bedside the impact that Narcan has on somebody who has overdosed on an opioid. It's uh yeah, it's a, it's a medication that has it has a role. It has a very clear role, and having it be too expensive to get into the hands of people who need it is a challenge. Yeah. I mean, it's it's baffling to me that that can happen, you know, <laughs> but it does. I mean, that happens across medicine. That was the, yep. the Martin Shkreli story. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And so. this sort of gets to the other part of the conference that I did want to tease out, right? We have these these heavy hitter people, these big companies that are going to be discussed, these these massive concepts that are going to be discussed. But I, as I, we were talking about, right, the sensitivity around opioids and I think the potential for some some really engaged people around it is it, within the conference itself, not just with opioids, but with the rest of it is what is the role of the patient voice? What is the role and where is the storytelling and, and kind of space for patients, families to kind of be heard, to be part of this story where we're talking about industries and quantities of money that are, that are unbelievable and these personalities that, that are, are huge. What is the role of, the patient, the the one person who has struggled with illness, who has been addicted to opioids, et cetera, et cetera. Where is the space for that? Yeah, that's a really important question. And as I was talking about who's going to be at the conference earlier, I was thinking, oh, I didn't mention patients and patient advocates and family members. And, and that was <laughs> an oversight on my part. We hope there'll be a big a big role for, for patients and advocates and, and family members and friends um, at the conference. One of the things that we don't have yet on our agenda, but um, we're working on is having uh, the patient stories uh, being told on stage. We want to find folks who can who can tell their stories and and kind of explain and show and illustrate why why we're doing all of this, you know, why everything around them exists. I mean, they are the the center around which everything else should revolve. And so obviously, they're sort of the most important part of the conference in that sense. So there will be um, patients talking on stage about their own experiences with medicine and and hopefully, you know, patient advocates and folks in uh, in that community who uh, will come to the conference and and participate in um, in discussions and conversations and, and get to talk to the people uh, developing medicines to serve them, right? Because obviously they're the most important people in this whole conversation. Do you think that as the conference evolves over time, right, obviously – would expect that this will probably happen again. If you had to predict the future, we haven't even had conference number one yet, but given all these different mm -hmm. roads that we could go down, what would be your vision? What would be the way you would like to see healthy returns take shape, blossom, expand? Where, where, would it, where does it need to go to be most effective? I think, I mean, that's such a good question. I'm so wrapped up in, in getting this one right, out you're, the door. You're in the um, minutia just trying to get this started, and I'm asking you for the five-year strategic plan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in my perfect world, we talk about medicine all the time because that's all I think about. But but no, for but for healthy returns, we get to do that. So that's great. 
I think one of the most important things is to make sure that the conversations are extremely timely and extremely relevant to what's ever going on um, at the time. So I really hope that that each year we can tap in with um, the biggest sort of developments in medicine of that year. So, I mean, you know, right now we don't have this on the agenda yet, but um, Katrine Bosley, the CEO of Editas, is is coming to the conference, and uh, so Editas is working in the field of CRISPR gene editing, and she is just fabulous. And um, we get to have a whole conversation around this very personalized new uh, technology, this new way of of potentially treating disease. I mean, it's incredibly early days, but I would say that's one of the biggest topics right now when you have the first approvals of gene therapy in the U.S. Uh, with two CAR-Ts and the CAR-Ts meaning um, the personalized cancer treatment where you're taking a patient's own cells and then um, genetically modifying them to better um, detect cancer cells and then giving them back. I mean, this is crazy stuff. And we have two of those medicines on the market, uh, a gene therapy that delivers a healthy copy of a gene to correct one that causes a rare form of blindness um, is the third one. And, and these are incredible therapies, but they're new and they're young. Um, and we really need to talk about how, how these things get delivered delivered to patients. Uh, One of the concerns is access and price uh, and whether pricing systems are ready to pay for them, uh, whether hospitals are ready to deliver them, um, all all sorts of things. So that's an example of something I think is really relevant now. What's going to be relevant for next year's conference? uh, I'm not sure yet, but but I hope it's always uh, a conversation about the biggest uh, and most meaningful topics uh, to people across the whole spectrum of stakeholders. I think that you've and the people who are planning this conference have made a really intelligent decision to have a versatile agenda. As you, you know, we've talked about the various things, but adding CRISPR, adding gene therapy, we had Paul Knopfler on Explore the Space. He's a professor at UC mm-hmm. Davis who's one of the world's experts on that technology. And that left myself and our audience absolutely, you know, hair on end freaked <laughs> out because it is, you know, you see, oh, the, really? <laughs> oh my gosh, you see the picture of the double muscle dog. And you say, what on oh, earth God, yeah. are we about to, what on earth are we walking into? This is Pandora's box writ large. This is, this is yeah. serious. And then there's home CRISPR kits and this sort of thing. Oh my gosh. You can just go off the rails so quickly. So I think that having that be part of this conversation, A, relevant and B, just smart because people are already talking about it. They're already engaging around it. So again, let's get people in the right room so that we can information share and then at least start to lay the foundation for some dialogue, not just around the technology itself, but all of the ethical considerations, all of the questions about what what are we trying to accomplish? Have we thought this through? That was what Paul and I really mm-hmm. got into the weeds about. Like, have we thought this through? Are we sophisticated enough <laughs> to actually be implementing this? Or are we going to have unanticipated consequences? Yeah, I, I think all of those discussions are so fascinating and interesting. And and if you look back to history, I mean, every time we had a big new development, there was kind of that that hold on, like let's think about this, let's step back, let's you know pause and and figure it out. And um, you know, we saw that with sort of recombinant DNA, yep. uh, the birth of the the biotech industry. I mean, it, it's so cool and so. Uh, exciting, but also a little bit scary when when anybody can can do this. That's the magic of CRISPR. It's easy, right? <laughs> it's yeah. accessible. Yeah. I haven't tried it myself, but I'm kind of tempted to, to order <laughs> to see what I can do. <laughs> and see what you can create. See what chimera yeah, you can exactly. make in your garage. No, it's it, and that yeah. is the central tension because it does get back to the first rule of medicine, which is not make a margin. It's first do no harm. 
And so as we're doing these things, we have to be very conscious of that is the first rule. You know, docs, like we take that seriously. We swear an oath to that when we, when we graduate medical school, first do no harm. So when we're thinking about these things, when we're adopting technologies, when we are considering what we are going to be able to do at a population level, the stakes are very, very high. And the prism through which we look at those questions needs to stay consistent. First, do no harm. Absolutely. And I think that's what's so interesting about this technology is because not only do you have to think about not doing harm to to the first person um, that you're you're potentially treating, but there are implications here for being able to release things that we can't control. Going That's back right. to the Pandora's box yeah. idea, yep. um, I had I mentioned my podcast uh, when you and I were talking earlier called Signal. We have an episode um, that I did with Luke Timmerman about gene drives and and basically releasing these sort of things into the environment where they keep going themselves and they could for example, wipe out a population of disease-carrying mosquitoes. What are the implications of that if we can't control it once we release it? I mean, they're fascinating but but scary prospects. There, there's no question. And I think that the, <laughs> the super highway of conversation that we could have about that and all the cool movies you could make and comic books you could write and everything, I think that that's the, <laughs> the stuff that's going to come out, right? You're going to have this conference, and these are the the conversations that hopefully will happen of not just – the, the really intelligent leader of this piece of the discussion on stage, but then at cocktails afterwards, at dinner afterwards, in the room, during the breaks, it's this big audience of people having those discussions. Wait a minute. We need to be thinking part A of what Scott Gottlieb just said through very carefully because these implications are going to be far ranging. I think that if I was to predict what is going to be the lasting impact of healthy returns as it goes forward, it's going to be that stuff. It's going to be people becoming more engaged and putting their intellect, thought, creativity into addressing some of that stuff because they're going to hear about it from people who know. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I think that would be that would be a wonderful lasting impact. Um, and I'm so excited as going back to the, the wedding idea. I mean, I'm just like at the end of this thing, when we have cocktails, like getting to talk to all these people at the same time, putting yeah. together, I think who I think some are, are some of the best minds. I mean, I can't imagine if this is like my dream dinner party, you know, you're always like, Oh, who, <laughs> if you're in your perfect dreams, like who'd you have dinner with? I'm like, Oh my God, like Amy Abernethy, Katrine Bosley. Like, I mean, they're all going to be in the room together. I'm so excited. Yeah. That's going to be fantastic. So for those who are interested, March 28th, First, just attending it, but also following it. How do people who who have now heard about Healthy Returns, how do they find it? So you can find it online at cnbc.com slash healthy returns. I'm going to be tweeting. I tweet a lot. Uh, beware it, of following me because it's a lot of biotech and a lot of my dog. Um, more biotech than my dog, but um, <laughs> there'll be a lot of coverage there uh, and on our website and um, and on CNBC. We're going to be having a lot of these folks joining us live to talk about, uh, you know, basically things we're talking about at the conference. Um, so I'm really excited about that too, getting to bring this to the broader television audience that we have. That's going to be really cool. But if people want to come in person, um, it's at the Roosevelt Hotel uh, and you can find all that info at cmbc.com slash healthy returns. I think you've put together a, not just a really interesting conference agenda, but I think a, an interesting template for some extraordinary conversations and hopefully some some real growth and some some real engagement around, as you've pointed out, some of the major hot button topics that the biotech world is facing, the pharmaceutical world is facing, and importantly, the population that interfaces with those large industries is facing as well. So 
all the best for a very successful conference. And you'll have to circle back and, and let us know and come back on Explore the Space to tell us how it all goes. Well, thank you. Maybe you should come and, and do a live podcast from the conference. Now, that, that would be interesting. <laughs> that would be interesting. Meg Terrell, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.